Our scripture lesson for today, the eighth Sunday after Pentecost, comes from Romans chapter 8, verses 26 through 39. The Apostle Paul writes, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought. But that very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. And God, who searches the heart, knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. We know that all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son in order that he might be the firstborn within a large family. Those whom he predestined, he also called Those whom he called, he also justified, and those whom he justified, he also glorified. What then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not withhold his own son, but gave him up for all of us, will he not with him also give us everything else? Who will bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies, who is to condemn. It is Christ Jesus who died, yes, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed intercedes for us. Who will separate us from the love of God? Will hardship or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Well, people of God, may the grace and peace of our triune God be yours today and forever. Amen. I'm wondering, are there anybody out there who is still a fan of the TV show, The Walking Dead? If you're not familiar with The Walking Dead, it is a zombie apocalypse show. It's been going on for a very long time. It's actually, we've been through 10 seasons now, so it's been around for a while. Many characters have come and gone. The premise of the show, while still the same, sort of the focal point has kind of changed. And many people have sort of expressed the opinion in the last few seasons that, oh, it's getting a little long in the tooth. I think I'm going to kind of step away from it. I'm not going to continue watching it. I myself went through a similar situation about a year and a half ago where I too was kind of thinking, ah, you know, it just doesn't give me the same sort of joy. I don't enjoy watching it like I used to. I think I might step away from it. And I did sort of mid-season. But what happened was it was still listed in my DVR. So it was still continuing to record the shows, even though I wasn't watching them. And it was actually at the end of that season, after the back half of the season was completed, that another person from here in the church, who is also still a fan of the show, said, hey, did you ever watch the back part of that season? And I'm like, no, I kind of let it go. And he's like, you know, the the storyline kind of picked up. Maybe you should check it out. I think you might enjoy it. And so I did. And sure enough, it had sort of shifted on its ears and it was kind of getting interesting again. And so I've stayed current up through this period where we're at now. But what's interesting about this whole thing the whole time of this zombie apocalypse show is the fact that 
as time has gone on, I've sort of wondered, is there anybody in this show, are there any characters that I can kind of relate to? I think that's something that we always do when we're into a visual story. Uh, is there a character that I connect with, that I can see, see myself in this? And, and to be honest, I've sort of had a hard time relating with anyone because I'm just not much of a survivalist. I'm not much of a type of person who really would put the effort in or would know how to do all these things to survive without all the infrastructure that's around us. But I did find that there's a character that at least at one point I could kind of relate to. Now this particular character is named Father Gabriel. He's an Episcopal priest, or at least he had been before the zombie apocalypse happened. You know, where's the clerics, blame the day job, no wonder I can relate to him. But when we're first introduced to this character, he's not much of a survivalist either. He's very scared, he's very timid, he doesn't want to defend himself, he doesn't want to fight the, the zombies or the walkers, and he doesn't want to fight other people. And, and to be honest, I expected that he wasn't going to last very long. But he came in about halfway through the show, and wouldn't you know it, the guy's still alive. He's still on there. Now he's gone through some changes. He's become more of a survivalist as time has gone on. Uh, so maybe my ability to relate with him has changed a little bit. But all of that being said, there's a sensibility that I kind of think is familiar now with what, everything that's going on with this show. Now I talked about the survivalist attitude, the mentality of there's things that they have to do to survive. And I can't help but think that with everything going on in the world these days, everything that we've been experiencing over the last four or five months, we've sort of been giving little glimmers of what it might be like to try and survive in the apocalypse. First, we had to isolate. We had to stay inside. We couldn't go outside because of, of the danger of the virus. And we were all quarantining at home. And so we, we were, were sensing some of that isolation and that small groups of people that we're with. And maybe that's kind of carried on. There's also the ongoing fear of, oh, what if I make a mistake? It could be, I could get sick or something could happen just like in the apocalypse. If I make a mistake, something bad could happen. But it's been little tiny things. But, and it sort of culminated this past week with one little, little step that sort of made me chuckle. For those of you in Underwood, you might recall this. Wednesday, uh, we had some issue with our water system. There must have been a crack in the system somewhere, and it affected our pressure, and it also let a little bit of contaminants in, apparently, because late in the day on Wednesday, we got an order, or we received notice that we were under a boil order, that any water that we were going to uh, consume, we needed to boil first to make sure we were taking care of any of those contaminants. Now, again, this is a small-scale thing from a survival standpoint because we still had the water coming out of the sink. We didn't have any issue there and it was very easy to put it in a pot, put it on the stove, boil it, and then put it in the fridge and let it cool down so we had some water available. Really not a huge thing, but it was just one more step that continued to point in the same direction of things that aren't quite normal, things that aren't quite right in the world, and that is a sense that I can actually connect back to Walking Dead. Again, this is perhaps a strange subject to be thinking about in terms of a sermon, but I think it relates given our current circumstances. Now, there's a sense it was much stronger in the earlier seasons, but it's still present now. The underlying threat of the walkers, of the zombies themselves, that at any moment you could make a wrong turn or you could make a mistake and you would be overcome and you would get bitten and infected and you could get killed by the zombies. It would literally cost you your life. That underlying fear, that underlying concern, that underlying tension that the world is dangerous. The world is not right. There is constant concern for that. And I can't help but think we're living in that same reality right now. 
with this ongoing pandemic, there's constant questions of, is this the right thing to do? Is this safe? Is it okay to go to this store? Is it okay to gather with these people or to be around this? Or should I make this choice? Or should I make that choice? And it almost feels like there are no right answers. There are only the answers or the best decisions that we can make given our current circumstances in any given moment. And as it goes on and on and on, the more I talk with people, the more I continue to hear about their experience with the same sort of underlying tension that any moment the bottom could just fall out and it could be over. Maybe you felt that way as well. And you know what? If you have, you're not alone. And the other thing that we need to remember about this is this is nothing new. Because I believe that same sensibility is also present in this passage that we have shared from the book of Romans, from the eighth chapter of Romans. Now, if you happen to catch last week's video or last week's sermon, we had the, the portion that's directly before this, and this leads right on into it. The Apostle Paul has been talking about the sense of hope, that we hope for things that we cannot yet see. It's not hope if we're thinking about things that are tangible, that we can already touch or taste or smell or experience or hold on to, that we don't have to hope for that because it's already real, it's already tangible. But we hope for that which we cannot see. As we pick up with that, the apostle seems to also recognize that in the sense of hope for that which we cannot see, there are the underlying questions or the concerns or the sensibility that I can't quite put my finger on. It. But that same sense is around that things now are not as they could be or should be. And I think we all share in that. And, and the apostle says that if you were experiencing that, and maybe you can't even put your finger on it, you can't articulate what it is that feels wrong and feels you feel it within your bones, within your essence, within your very soul. You feel this is not right, but you can't articulate why. He says, you're not alone in that. And the Holy Spirit will intercede with God on your behalf in those groans that are, are we can't even understand. That isn't that a wonderful blessing to know that the Holy Spirit, the spirit that dwells within us, that unites us together as the body of Christ, that comes upon us and empowers us in the waters of baptism or whenever God sees fit to send the Holy Spirit upon us. That Holy Spirit, that advocate, as we hear it called in John's gospel, is advocating for us even when we cannot understand it, even in ways that we may not be able to to, to, to wrap our heads around, even when we ourselves don't even know, Lord, I don't even know what to pray for right now. I don't even know what to think. I don't even know what to feel. That's the sense that we have in that. Now, we mentioned that that spirit, that spirit that lies within us and prays for us on our behalf, that spirit also unites us. And it, it binds us together as the body of Christ. It creates a sense of community within us just as God exists in community with one another. That's a sense that I really brought into this as I thought about this passage. Now, for those of you who are a, a, a long-term part of the Underwood Lutheran community, you've probably heard me talk about this particular passage and in, in, in particular, the back half of it, because I've focused on, on it many times in the past, oftentimes in the context or the setting of a funeral. This is a passage that oftentimes uh, informs the sensibility, the message that I share at a funeral, because for me, this is a very hopeful passage, one that we cling to in the midst of hard stuff. And, and in particular, it's the closing part, because I think it's a promise, and I want to just share it with you again. I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, 
nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. That to me is an encapsulation of the gospel. That God made all of this and God made it good and God made humanity and God called humanity very good. We are the culmination bearing the divine image. We hear about that back in Genesis. But then God knows that it's not good for us to be alone. That happens in Genesis too. God says, God makes humanity, God makes the man, and God says, it's not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper as his equal. And we have humanity then existing in relationship with one another. The diversity of male and female, the diversity of humanity existing together in harmony. But then we also hear that as it goes on, that creation is not perfect. It is broken. It is flawed. And sin and the brokenness and and the flawed nature of humanity also comes into play. And because of all of that, because of everything that we know, everything that perhaps we're experiencing now in the state of COVID, everything that's existed beforehand, all of this, we know in our bones that things are not as they ultimately can be. And as God has promised that they ultimately will be, we're just not there yet. But in the midst of hardships, whether it's the death of someone around a funeral or in a counseling situation that I've had with individuals when they've been facing personal tragedy, personal hardship, this is a passage that I continue to come back to as a reminder of the hope that we have, the promise that's been made to us that no matter what's going on, no matter what is happening, nothing under the sun, nothing in all of creation can separate us from God's love, which was made real through the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the promise. That's what we cling to. That's what we proclaim to one another. That's what we do. But as I thought about that, and I thought about that in terms of everything that's going on, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine, a fellow pastor, we were talking about this passage. I read that last line out loud and it caught her attention. And she pointed this out, something that I've read countless times and I never thought about it till now. Nothing in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Whenever I think about this passage, I tend to think about it in, in a singular sense. I'm, I'm reciting it so that you will know that nothing in all creation can separate you from God, from God's love. Nothing can separate you, whether it's in the funeral and I'm talking to the people and they hear it as nothing will separate you. Nothing will pull you away. Or if I'm talking to the individual, I'm talking, that's, that is my sense, but that's not what it says. Nothing will separate us from the love of God. That communal nature is on display in this promise, this promise that for me is the epitome of the promise that we find and the hope that we find in the gospel. Nothing can separate us because we exist united and empowered, brought together by the power of that same Holy Spirit that intercedes for us in size too deep to understand. We are the body together. Now we've talked about this a lot in past weeks. It seems to be an ongoing theme as we continue to deal with the unknowns of this time, the unknown of everything going on. And we all have our opinions and we all have our thoughts and we all have the things that we've heard and the things that we discount and the things that we throw out and the things that we listen to and the things that we believe. All of that's going on. But the fact of the matter is, in all of this COVID stuff, just like in every single thing that has ever happened throughout the course of humanity, we are here now. 
We are in this together. This is our reality. And as I thought about that, that we are united in the unknowns of everything that's going on here, there is a word that I heard first back in seminary that I think applies to this situation. The word is Ubuntu. Now, it's from an African language. I, admittedly, I don't know which one. But I first heard this when I, I was saying thank you to a guy. I'm like, hey, man, thanks for doing that. You're awesome. And he looked at me and he said, Ubuntu. I'm like, Ubuntu? What are you talking about? He's like, we are awesome together, which sounds kind of cool. But I had to have him explain it a little bit more. Ubuntu literally means I am because we are. It is the recognition that I am part of something bigger than myself. Now, that's very foreign to us within our Western individualized um, sensibility of things. But folks, this is the reality. We are truly in this together, whether we like it or not, whether we realize it or not, whether we want to admit it or not, we're all in the same boat. We're all living in the fact of an unknown virus that at any time could infect any one of us and could blow up and it could kill us. Now, it may not. Or it may, we just don't know. And there's that underlying tension throughout everything and everyone that I talk to shares that same sense. We don't know what to think. We don't know what to feel. We don't know what to do. We don't know if this is right or wrong or otherwise. And we're all just a wreck because of it. Some of us might be dealing with it better than others. Some of us might be putting a brave face on better than others, but we're all in this same boat. But remember that promise from the end of our reading today. Nothing will separate us from the love of God. I believe this is a reminder that we exist in relationship with one another because we bear the divine image of the one who also exists in relationship and did before the start of the world. We exist in relationship so that we can support one another. This is what humanity is called to do. Love God, love our neighbor. We've talked about that before. And what does it mean to love our neighbor? It means to support him. And it means in one moment when they're struggling, when they don't know where to turn, when they don't know what to think or say, we remind them of the promise that nothing will separate you from the love of God, not even all this junk that we're dealing with now. And we do that because in the next instant, the tables might turn and we might be the one with that voice in the back of our head that says, yeah, this is all well and good for everybody else, but it's not really for you, is it? It's not really true for you, is it? But it, the promise of this tells us that we then need to be reminded of that same truth. That same truth is for you, it is for me, it is for all people because God so loved the world. We build each other up. We reflect the light of God in this dark world for one another knowing that we might need it reflected back our way when it's all said and done. Nothing will separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Not all of this COVID stuff, not all of the unknowns that we live in, not even death will ultimately separate us because... The promise has been made by God who claimed you in the first place and nothing will overcome that. Hold on to that today. Share that with one another. Share that with the world. Amen.